Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Praise God. Let's go back to where we left off last week from the book of 1 Samuel. We kind of used two other scriptures as what I would call a, a jumping off place. We went over to 2 Peter chapter 1, saw that through the precious promises of God that we are made partakers of the divine nature. How many want to be a partaker of the divine nature? Now, one of the most drastic adjustments I've had to make, and I, I, I don't know how much it, of it is just of my flesh or insecurities or, or how much of, of it is, is, you know, God dealing with me, but when I traveled in ministry, I really never cared much about what I said in a, in a, in a service. I didn't care if it made people mad or offended them. It didn't make any difference to me. I'd have pastors uh, say this to me. Say, how did you know to preach that in my church? I said, I didn't know. I just prayed the Holy Ghost gave it to me. He says, well, you know, what you preached on, half of my church isn't doing that. They need to be doing that. Now, being in church, you're always intimidated. Well, well, Lord, if I say that, then you don't have the church is going to get up and walk out. If I say that, the, the other. And the Lord literally assured me that when you teach the Word of God that puts a demand upon people, there are going to be people that are not going to receive instruction. They're not going to receive correction. They're not going to receive reproof. And they're not going to receive instruction in righteousness. Because there's really... In our generation, and I'm talking about our generation being believers right now across the board, because Island Church is not the only church I preach in. I, I preach in a lot of churches. I, I, I see a lot of congregations. I see a lot of crowd, uh, crowds. There are basic things that people just don't do anymore. They just don't do it. I mean, they're basic, foundational things. They just don't do it anymore. I just don't do it. You know, and you can teach on it. You can say, you can say well, what do you mean? Well, what could it be? Well, I heard a, 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 an acquaintance of mine was building a, uh, built a beautiful educational building for their church. And, and uh, uh, they wanted to put another story on it. And so they went to the architect and the, and the builders and said, we, we, we need another story on this building. And they, he said, you can't do it. And, and, the, and the pastor said, oh, yeah, it's my building. I can do anything I want to. He said, no. He said, you, you, the foundation is only there for two stories. You can't put three stories on a two-story foundation. And a lot of you, God is wanting to put another story on your, on your, on your, on your building, so to speak. But you, you got to go back to your foundation and work on your foundation again. Amen. So, so you know, if this, I like what Brother Osteen used to say, if this rubs the fur the wrong way, then turn the cat around. Amen. But what people, what many people do not do anymore that's a basic foundational reality of Christianity is they don't carry a Bible. They still carry a Bible. Man, I got one on my phone. That's not a Bible. It's a phone. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I, you just, you know, number one, carrying a Bible brings reproach. People see you walking with a Bible under your arm. No, not everybody's happy about that. Secondly, Lee and I were talking about this the other day. You cannot receive from God apart from His Word. So in order to receive from God, you've got to have the Bible with you when you're being taught the Word. If you were in a college class and I was a college professor and you had a, uh, what do they call it, a, 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 a textbook. A textbook for the class and, and you never brought your, 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 your textbook 
uh, to school? You think you'd pass that class? You're not going to pass that class. So I can see some people looking at me like, what are you talking about that tonight for? Because you need to hear it. God's trying to correct you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to get his blessings into your life. Amen. Now, when you understand and you realize that, I had a guy I went to school with. I'll never forget him. I actually did his wedding, Eddie Jones. And Eddie was, did not want to do anything in school. He was, he was probably one of the best surfers I ever knew in my life. And we had this, uh, uh, we had this teacher in civics named Mr. Turner. Anybody go to Baja and remember Mr. Turner? I remember Mr. Turner. And Mr. Turner was pretty naive, and he was trying to help Eddie. And Eddie would come in, and he would never bring a book. And when he passed out tests, he'd just put his head, he'd write Eddie Jones zero and, and go like that. And I remember Mr. Turner, because he sat right in front of him. Mr. Turner came up and said, said this one time. He said, if you would just answer the questions, I don't really even care if you get them right. <laughs> Amen. He said, I don't even care if you get them right. If you'll just answer the questions, I'll pass you. And he underlined the zero and put his head back down on the table. Wasn't interested. Listen, you got to get real interested in the things of God. You've got to make a decision. Listen, I'm going to carry my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible. I believe what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to develop a Bible reading program for the church, and we're going to institute, we're going to initiate it the second half of this year, July through December. How'd like, how many like to read the Bible with the church? When I, I'll do you, I'll, I'll do it up for you. It won't be a, a big, heavy, you know, like 10, 20 chapters. No, just a few chapters every day. Psalms, Proverbs, uh, New Testament, and the letters to the church. Amen. About two or three chapters every day. We just go through it as a church and read it as a church. Every day we'll have our Bible. And every Sunday and every Wednesday I say, have you been reading your chapters? Have you been reading your Bible? Amen. Now I can remember uh, back when I was in Bible school. Now I know this is years ago back in 1984. But I, I, at Lakewood Church, uh, when you came into the church, because Brother Osteen always did that confession. And he would say, everyone hold up their Bible. And if you didn't have a Bible, you look stupid. People didn't have a Bible to go like this. They'd have a Bible next time. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Tonight, I will receive the incorruptible. Um, you know, he goes on and on. I used to could say it, but I hadn't been there in years, you know. So, But, I mean, every service, he would say the same thing and same thing. And there'd be 4,000 Bibles waving in there. And it sound now wave your Bible, make the devil mad. Listen, the devil doesn't want you carrying a Bible. Are you making him happy? Let me try that again. The devil does not want you carrying a Bible. And I'm talking about every man, every Well, my husband brings one. Well, my wife brings one. No, you ought to have your own Bible. You ought to bring it to church. You say, why? It's one of those foundational things that will help God put blessing in your life. You still love me? Now, we were looking at uh, the, the two scriptures we used as jumping off scriptures last week were Second Peter, where we're partakers of the divine nature, amen, uh, through the precious promises of the Word of God. Then Isaiah, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land, uh, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured. What's our message, Bible? Uh, if you're willing and obedient, you'll feast like kings. If you refuse and rebel, you'll die like dogs. Amen. So we said the willing part, that's your heart. You have to be willing in your heart. So willingness, on the willing side, you're either rebellious 
or you're submissive. Now, the obedience side, that's your act of faith. So you're either in fear or you're in faith. Now, you'll notice that there's no mixture. You're either rebellious in fear or you're submissive in faith. You can't be rebellious in faith, amen, and submissive in fear. It doesn't work that way. So you have to choose the way you're going to serve God. Now, the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The amount of authority you're able to muster against the demonic realm is directly proportionate to the submission to God in your life. Amen? I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to find a place of submission and live in it. There is a comfort in living in that submission. Uh, for 15 years, Lee and I were at another church. I, I operated as an evangelist out of that church. And, and I remember many times, especially uh, Leah owned her own business for about the first 10 years of our marriage, many times meeting her at church. She'd be coming home from, from her shop, and I'd be coming from a meeting somewhere. My plane had hit the ground at about, at about 6.30, and at 7 o'clock, I'd be sitting in church. Wore out from traveling, tired. I remember one time I came down and sat next to the pastor. I said, man, I think I could just lay down on the floor here during praise and worship and be ready. He said, go ahead. I didn't do it, though. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but you got to understand, you've got, you've got to submit yourself to God. Now, the only way you can submit yourself to God is, number one, submit to His Word. Everybody say His Word. That's why the Word of God should be so valuable to it, that, so valuable to you that you'll carry it. Everybody say, I'll carry it. Say, I'll bring my Bible to church. Now, when you're a carrier of the Word of God, then you can be a student of the Word of God, and that's the way you submit to the Word of God. You can't submit to anything you don't value. Now, let me say that again. You need to hear that. You cannot, uh, let's say it like this. You will not submit yourself to anything you do not value. But if you value something, you will submit yourself to it. The problem with a lot of us Americans, we've never really seen a hunger for the Word of God. We ought to, we ought to get that, that tape we played or that thing we saw. It's been, what, four or five years now that we played that because uh, we helped buy uh, several hundred Bibles that they took into China to people that had never had Bibles. And as they opened up the crate, tears were rolling down their faces. They were, they were holding their Bibles and hugging their Bibles. They love the Word of God. Now, we can walk into Randall's and buy a Bible. We can go to Walmart and buy a Bible. I mean, it, it just, uh, the problem is many of us don't value it, but when you begin to value the Word of God, it's something, I can't live without it. There are people in the world that would love to have one. They can't get one. It's illegal in their nation, but I got one. I bless God, I'm going to carry it with me. I tell you, I keep a Bible in my truck. There's a Bible right next to my, my, my uh, uh, stand on our, uh, uh, in our bedroom. Uh, there are Bibles all over our house, Bibles all over my office. I'm telling you, I'm a Bible guy. I submit myself to the Word. Everybody say the word. Then you've got to be submissive to the Spirit of God. Now, the Spirit of God. Now, here's how it works. We talked about having foundational things. If you're not submissive to the word, you'll never submit to the Spirit. Because what will happen, another spirit will get into you. And that other spirit that, you get in, that gets into you, you get submitted to that. It'll, it'll mess your life up. 
But if you submit to the word, that guarantees that there's going to be a spirit, spirit guidance center on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost is going to be setting the compass of your life. And as you begin to submit to the Spirit of God, then the Spirit of God begins to promote you down the road of God. Did you ever notice, if you ever get on the wrong road, how it takes you to places you don't want to go? You ever got on the wrong road somewhere? I ended up somewhere over on the northeast end of Houston one time. I was looking for a gun show. I wanted to go by this gun show. I was headed out of town to go preach a message. And so it was, it was over there by the, the, the Sam Houston Parkway, and I think there's a racetrack over there or something. And I got lost kind of over there in that area. I'd never been over that area before. And I'm telling you, every turn I made, I went into a worse neighborhood. I made about three turns, and I thought, I'm getting out of here. I'm lost, and the further I go, the worse it gets. And that's the way it is on the path of life. If you get off of the plan of God, listen, the road that you get on will take you to places you don't want to go. And in places you don't want to go, you get things you don't want. Things happen to you you don't want to happen. Not getting many amens tonight, but I'm going to do it anyway. Then thirdly, everybody say thirdly. You have to submit to spiritual authority. You say, what do you mean? The pastors, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, those that God... Now, let me just say this. Listen, I didn't choose to start this church. I didn't pray, oh, Lord, let me go down to Galveston and start a church. I didn't pray that. I didn't choose to do it. God chose me to do it. But I'm telling you, because He chose me to do it, I'm going to do it. Amen? And so I'm going to take the authority, I'm going to feed the sheep, I'm going to take the oversight, I'm going to believe God for people to come in and surround me that will have my heart, that will do that which God's saying to do as far as the corporate order of the church goes and the corporate flow of the church goes. I'm going to protect the sheep, I'm going to fight for the sheep, I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to try to give them the best meal I can give them every time we sit down. And listen, you don't get your favorite meal every time you come to church. Amen. It's not Baskin Robbins. Sometimes you come in and you say, I don't know if I want to eat that or not. You may need it though. There may be some kind of vitamin or nutriment in your spirit that will help you. Now, here's the thing. People don't like to submit to people voluntarily. The Bible says in two different areas. James chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, humble yourself, submit yourself. That means that's an act of your will. And I've been in churches before where I'm telling you, the pastor wasn't submitted to anything God was doing. The people weren't submitted to him. Nobody was submitted to anything, and the place was a mess. We preached in one, we, where we go? Way up there in Boston. I can't even say the name of the state. What's the name of the state? That's where it was. And we started on, we did a, we did a, we had, we had a whole crew. I think dad went and my mom went and did you go? Are you sure? Did you, you didn't go? Oh, it was Catherine. Catherine went with us. Catherine and someone else went. Anyway, we had a crew of people. And so we went into this church and they, they you know, we, 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 we started on Friday night and they did praise and worship for an hour and 45 minutes. I was done after five minutes. They sang songs that didn't mean nothing. They might as well have been singing to a rat on the floor or something. I mean, they just sang goop. Remember that? I felt like somebody had beat me. I thought, oh, my Lord. 
And so we preach Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Sunday night, finally, after praying and praying, we finally got a breakthrough, and the Holy Ghost started moving, and we're able to minister to, to a bunch of people. And I left, got on an airplane, and about three weeks later, I called a pastor friend of mine, who actually the guy that sent me to that church, and, 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 and called the guy and said, you need to get this guy coming. I said, how's pastor so-and-so? He said, the week after you left, he shut the church down. Well, that's what he needed to do. He was involved in all kind of goofy stuff. And there was no reason for him to be pastoring at all. All he was doing was hurting people. Amen. Sometimes God will send you to a place to help build it up. Sometimes he'll send you to a place to help shut it down. Amen. We, there was a, there, I know, I, I'll tell you a story. This will, this will help you with that. There was a, there was a church in Corpus Christi. We was in several churches, really nice churches in Corpus. One of them we did a camp meeting every year. One was a, the largest Assembly of God church in South Texas. We did meetings there, Sunday through Wednesday meetings. We just had a great, and this, this, this one pastor kept coming to our, to our meetings, and he kept calling the office, calling the office, and I just had this weird, I just kept putting him off, putting him off. Finally, after about three or four years, the Lord spoke to me and said, go to that man's church. So I went to his church, and we actually did this kind of the same format. It was a Friday, and then it was a Saturday morning uh, 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 appreciation breakfast for the, uh, for the uh, 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 volunteers of the church, a Saturday night meeting, a Sunday morning, and a Sunday night meeting. So I came, and it was a great church. I thought, this is so cool. The praise and worship was beautiful. They sang and worshiped God. We ministered to people. The Holy Ghost flowed. So Sunday morning, after the Sunday morning service, we went and sat down, and the pastor said, now, I, I need to talk to you about something. I said, okay. He said, now, Monday morning, that's my prayer time. I said, oh, cool. You know, I mean, that's, that's a pastor ought to pray over his church. That's my prayer time. He said, now, when I pray, I leave my body, and I'll go visit all my members. I said, oh, really? <laughs> and he said, yeah. He said, I do it every week. He said, I see things. I thought, all oh, this can I know how to. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, what have I got myself? So I kind of sheepishly ended the meeting on Sunday night. And so I'm driving home, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, why did you send me there? How come? I said, I, I had something in my spirit for years. Why did you tell me to go? He said, you were the last chance that man had. He said, you were the last chance he had before he actually went into an error that would have destroyed his ministry, and that church doesn't exist today. So you got to understand that there is authority that God will set in the church. And if you, if you submit to the Word, submit to the Spirit, then you can get correctly submitted to that. And the Bible says those are the ones that watch over your soul. That means when they pray for you, uh, I like how it says in Hebrews in the Amplified, they pray with joy or they pray with a sigh. So you got to go home when you ask yourself, when Pastor Rusty prays with you, does he pray with joy? Or does he go, oh, my God. <laughs> Amen. Service, so I'm going to submit to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and spiritual authority. Now, we left Saul. He was in all kinds of trouble. 1 Samuel 15. Oh, bless his heart. He'd gotten in all kinds of trouble. He's trying to rectify it. God told him to go down and kill all the Amalekites. He said, kill everything that breathed. Let's go back to verse 10. It says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he's turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. Now, that had to be an awkward, awkward thing. You say, why? 
Because you had a king who had to be submitted to spiritual authority. He had to be submitted to Samuel. Now, David really didn't have a prophet over him. He had a prophet that ministered to him named, named Nathaniel, but, but it wasn't like Saul. It's like, it's like God said, okay, Saul, you can be king, but, 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 but Samuel's going to keep you on a leash. That's what he did. Because actually, Israel cried out for a king, but that wasn't the will of God. God wanted Israel to remain a theocracy run by the judges and the prophets and the Levitical, uh, the Levites that operated uh, in the temple and in the tabernacle. That's what God wanted. But no, the people, they want to be like everybody else. Want to have a king, want to have a king, want to have a king, want to have a king. They want, did you notice God gave them what they wanted, even though God wasn't for it? And he said, here's what your king's going to do. He's going to take your maids and he's going to put them to work for himself. And he's going to take your sons, put them all in the army. You know, that's exactly what Saul did. That's exactly what he did. But then he still had uh, accountability to Samuel, and everybody was afraid of Samuel. Samuel's my favorite Old Testament prophet. Because Samuel, he'd come to a city, and all the city fathers would run out and say, everything okay? Everything all right? Everything okay? He's one of them spooky guys, you know. And so, and it grieved Samuel. Samuel, it grieved Samuel. It broke his heart. And he cried unto the Lord all night. Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning and was told, uh, and it was told Samuel, Saul came up to Carmel, and behold, he set up a place. Now, when it says a place, he's setting up a place to worship God, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and said, and said, Saul, Saul said unto him, Blessed be the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Everybody said, I performed the commandment of the Lord. Now, and Samuel said, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Now, Saul as king is saying this. Now, God told me to do this, and brother, I did it. I'm a word guy. I went in there and did it. He's lying. I said he's lying. Now, notice what it says. Uh, he said, the same, Samuel said, what was this, was this the, the sheep are bleeding? What is, was am I hearing this? The lowing of the oxen. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen sac uh, uh, to sacrifice unto the Lord God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. That's not what God told them to do. Now, here's the biggest problem we have in church, churches. When the Word of God is taught, there is a standard in which you must obey the Word of God the way God says to do it. People struggle with that. By nature, we're rebellious. But that nature has been removed. But our minds and our flesh have been trained for years with rebellion. So we hear something and we want to obey it. Oh, if I had to learn that, Pastor. I mean, there's been times when I, I've, just, I've walked in and told us, I'm going to do this and that and this and that and this, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And by the time I get down to my truck to drive to the church and do it, God said, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's not your church. You'll do it the way I tell you. And some of the things that he told me to do, I wanted to do it immediately. It took years for it to get done. Because I found out if you do it God's way, it's the right way. If you do it your way, you're going to get in trouble. And so many Christians try to do what God says their way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way and see what happens. Nothing will ever happen but bad. That's what happened to Saul. For the people. Saul, you're the king. What do you mean for the people? 
Verse 16, Samuel said unto Saul, and I will tell thee what the Lord said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou was little in thine own sight, and when thou, when thou was not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel, and the Lord sent thee on a journey. Everybody say a journey. Now God is sending every one of us on a journey. Amen. David called it in Psalms 23, the path of righteousness for his namesake. So forever, he said, well, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be a, an apostle. I'm not called to be a prophet. I'm not called to be a missionary. It doesn't matter for a student, for a businessman, for, for somebody with a job, for a teacher, an educator. There is still a path of righteousness for his namesake for your life. Now, let me just say this, because a lot of people, they may not agree with it, but I'm going to tell you this. It is not the easiest path it seems like. But the other path, the Bible says, the way of the transgressor is hard. In reality, the path of righteousness for your life is the easiest path if you walk it the right way. It's when you walk it the wrong way it becomes so difficult. It's when you walk it the wrong way it becomes so hard. It's when you, 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 you want to you wanna go this direction, God says go this direction. You want to go this direction, God says no, turn around and go back. You've got to be willing to do what God says the way He says to do it. I'm so excited about Ireland right now. You don't know. You, 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 no, nobody knows. Maybe Leah maybe knows a little bit. But I worked my brains and my spirit out in that nation. Roland, they, they know. I mean, I, I, was, uh, I was over there. Trip after, and I'm telling you, not, not some great meetings with big, I'm telling you, just frontier evangelism. True missionary work. And I'm not, not in the face of, uh, of, of of, you know, demon gods of the, of the Amazon. I'm talking about in the face of some of the most demonic religion you've ever seen in your life. And at every turn of the, turn of the hat, every flip, there was opportunity for criticism. There were, I mean, I would have people, this one church we preached in, it sat about 300 people, and the, the only door out was, was walking by the platform and up some stairs. And I don't know how many people I had walk, get up and walk out cursing me. You blankety blank, blank, blank. How dare you come to, why you American blankety blank, 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 blank. And just, well, I tell you, talk about put a damper on a meeting. Amen. I mean, we did a, we did, uh, me and two friends of mine, we did the first ever, ever, never been done in the nation, the first ever tent crusade, and we, we, we pitched a tent in the parking lot of the Catholic Church. And there's an army base in this city. So the priest went out and got all the soldiers drunk and pushed them into the tent. Well, that doesn't work. We got them all saved. <laughs> so he went and got the gang. Anybody know who the gang is? In the Republic of Ireland, do you know who the gang is? I'll give you a little, little hint. Their initials are IRA. So they went and get the gang. And we walk in one morning, and they're sitting all the way across the front of the, of the, of the, of the building, all the way across the front, with no shirts on. No shirt at all. Nothing but tattoos. Mean as they could be. 
And I had a little friend who was an evangelist that was like, he could, he could take one breath and preach for 30 minutes and soak everybody on the first three rows. And he got in those guys' face and he pulled one of them up and laid his hands on him and the guy fell out under the power of God and everyone else thought they'd killed him. And he gave an altar call right then and there and every one of them boys were up there on the altar giving their heart to Jesus. And the next service that evening, they were all on the front row with shirts on and shoes on, clothed and in their right mind. They all got the Holy Ghost that night. I mean, it was, it was a battlefield. Year after year after year. And then in 2002, the summer of 2002, I went and told everybody goodbye. I said, I'll, I'll never come here again. I said, you know, God's sending me another direction in ministry. This is just going to, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's going to not be going to be able to come. And so after I left, about three or four years after I left, I watched the move of God over there just dissolve. It just broke my heart. Well, there wasn't anything I could do about it. I, you know, I wasn't in a position to do anything about it. And then about six years ago, we were invited to go to a conference over there. And so Pastor Mark, Pastor Sam, and, and we preached in this conference, and they had Pastor, I think Pastor Sam was on uh, Wednesday night, Mark was there, and I was Friday night. And when I got up to speak on Friday night, the place was packed to the rafters. All these people, it had been, what, 12 years since I'd been there. All these people that I'd preached to all these years packed that place to the rafters. And man, the Holy Ghost fell in that place. And I knew in my spirit something was happening. But it was four years later. God sent a couple to this church that had no idea. No idea of any of that. But God had put Ireland in their heart. And God raised up a couple out of this church and sent them to Ireland. And they got into a church and became the associate pastors of two people that I was their Bible school teacher back in 1996. You think God doesn't know what he's doing? And now we're going to leave tomorrow and go do the second Irish Arise Conference in Dublin. And we're going to kick off the, 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 the uh, what are we calling it, a, a pre-launch celebration, which is going to help launch Island Church Dundalk. You talk about God knowing how to do it and what to do it. He's a master. He looks down through time and space and no telling what's going to happen because of our work over there. We may end up with 20 island churches over in Ireland, which would be awesome. Be fine with me. Amen. You say, what point are you trying to make? you got to do it God's way. I didn't want to quit going over there. I mean, by the time I quit going, I was getting good offerings. Really, it had, taken me, it, it had taken me 13 or 14 years to get to the place where I could actually fly over there and preach in a half a dozen churches that I helped start. Amen. And then actually come home and it paid for my ticket and I'd put money in my pocket. It had taken years to do that. And I had to just let it go. Just let it go. But God is faithful. And then when we were young in ministry, I mean really young, we had just started an opportunity. I'm sitting in a pastor's office. The phone rings. He picks up the phone and goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's sitting right here. I'm like, who's he talking to? He's talking to Sister Helen Redmond. Sister Redmond's husband had just died. She had a visitation from Jesus. said, I'll be your husband now, and I'll take you all over the world. And so she's call, he call, she calls up a pastor friend of ours. I'm sitting in his office and says, does that young man, Rusty Martin, does he, do you think he'll go to the Philippines with me? And he says, uh-huh, 
Uh-huh. He's sitting right here. Why don't you ask him? Hands the phone over to me and says, uh, she says, this is Sister Helen Redmond. Would you and Leah like to go to the Philippines? This is my first ever missions trip to go on since my husband died. We said, sure. So we went to Hong Kong. We went to the Philippines. I went the next year, and I thought, well, praise God. That's it for the Philippines. We never went back. And four years ago, sitting in a service at, at, Word of, uh, at uh, WOC, in, in Tulsa, Pastor Mark Brzee's, I meet Paul Chase, who has a mega church in Manila. I could fly to Manila tomorrow and never come home and preach all over that nation in churches of anywhere from 5,000, 3,000, 2,000, all over that area. God just reopened that door. He did it His way. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man or woman soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, let's finish up with, with, with Saul. He's in trouble. Bless his heart. He said, the Lord sent thee on a journey. Everybody say a journey. And said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites. Fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but thou didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, yea, I have observed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way of the Lord, the way the Lord sent me. Now, listen, this is a real, you've got to understand, this is how rebellion will work. When you get sideways with God, when you get sideways with the Word, or sideways with the Spirit, or sideways with spiritual order, you're convinced you're right. I did the right thing. I've obeyed God. You did. You did what God said, but you didn't do it the way He said to do it. It's going to cost you your... Your, your, your position is king. I've obeyed the Lord. I have brought Agag, the king, of Amalekite, uh, the king of the Amalekites, and have utterly destroyed. But the people, here we go again. Listen, anytime, you can always tell. And listen, I'm not talking to you. This is what I learned in myself. Anytime I ever blame someone else for my predicament, that proved I was in rebellion. That ain't my fault. <laughs> okay. That goes all the way back to Adam. The people. Everybody say the people. But that's, what, that, that, that's the place we to put in. But you're the king. Took of the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the chief things uh, that should have uh, been utterly destroyed. To, now notice this. To sacrifice unto the Lord God in Gilgal. Oh, we were going we to sacrifice it all to the Lord. That's not what God said. We were going to do something good with it. We were going to do something righteous with it. Listen, although we made a, it might have not been the right way, it's still, we still got the right outcome. No, God will not put up with that. I mean, if the, if the, end, if the means justify the end, then I mean, you know, we should be all uh, down in, in Vegas trying to win that $5 million. So we'll just do it 20000 at a time. Who wants to go this week? You laugh, but there's been people that's tried that. Amen? No, we got to do it God's way. We've sat in this building for 10 years, 11 years now, 12, going on 12 years. We'll have to sit here till God does what he said he'll do his way. I'm listening to some of Brother Osteen's teachings right now. They sat in that feed barn from 1970 to 1976, 16 years. Holes in the floor, rats everywhere. People would come and say, you're out of your mind. But they stayed right where God said for them to stay, doing right what God said for them to do. And that's how he ended up with that great missions church. Mm -mm -mm. 
the people. Samuel said, Hath the Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, now this is one of the great scriptures of the Bible. Behold, to obey, to obey, to obey, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. I mean, it, you really don't have to expound on that. Then the next scripture, for rebellion is, is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Now, Here's the thing. You say, well, Pastor, I, you know, I know I may have a little, I may have a little rebellion in me. Maybe a little rebellion to the word. So, so, so you're just practicing a little witchcraft. <laughs> you just got a, got a little, no, I, I, I know I got, I got a little rebellion in me. I got a little stubbornness in me. So you just have a few idols at the house you pray to. Just a couple. Not a bunch. Not, 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 not a big, you know, Lee and, and Breland went to Japan and they, they had this big fat Buddha that was, what, three or four stories tall. Well, you don't have that, but you got your little Buddha. You know, got, got your little Buddha over there. I talked to him just, not all the time, I just, you know, I got me a Buddha and, a, and got me a Hindu God and got me a Muslim God. Just, just in case, you got to make all, you know, got to make sure. I watched some movie sometime. It was a war movie, and these guys were fixing to get overrun by the enemy, and the, and, the, and, the, and the commander was walking behind them saying, Now, don't worry. I'm going to cover all the bases. I'm going to pray to Buddha. I'm going to pray to Confucius. I'm going to pray to Muhammad, and I'm going to pray to Jesus, and that ought to cover every one of us. You know, no, it's not. Samuel said rebellion is, is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. Oh, man. Now, anybody that thinks you don't have any stubbornness in you, you're wrong. Everybody has all of these traits that are negative are in us, and we have to deal with them. Amen? You know, go back to, to, to just not carrying the Bible. We don't even think about it. We don't do it. We hadn't done it. We hadn't ever done it. So, just, well, that don't mean anything to me. Well, that's just a little witchcraft. Amen? Christians carry Bibles. They bring Bibles to church. That's just one. You, we could go through. You can get into the heavier doctrines of tithing and obeying God for the will of God. But listen, if we're blowing it, you know, in the simplest things, the easiest things, what makes us think in the greater things we're getting it right? And God wants to bless us. I'm telling you, God wants to give us all things that pertain unto life and godliness so that when people see our lives, they go, man, that's somebody that serves God. I don't know what religion they are. I don't know what church they go to. But i tell you one thing. Those people know God. That person knows God. And listen, people need to see that in your life. And if you live that, all you got to do is live that in front of them. Amen? I mean, we do it all the time. And it either makes people uncomfortable or it just kind of draws them to you. I've got a, a, a crazy neighbor, and when he starts coming to the church, I'm still going to call him my crazy neighbor. Because he's wild. And he's even wilder about 4.30 in the afternoon. I, if he was sitting there, I'd tell the story anyway. And so, I, where was I? I was off somewhere on a missions trip, and, and it was 4.30, 5 o'clock, and you know, by then he's pretty good, well-oiled, you know. And so I pull up, and he comes running across the street. 
I miss my pastor so much. I miss you so much. I'm so glad you're home. You didn't even call me. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I mean, Leah didn't even do that. Hey, you home? Yeah, I'm home. Well, get your suitcase out of the elevator. So don't, don't leave it in there, you know. <laughs> Not old James. He was, I've missed you so much. <laughs> you say, why? I live for God in front of him. He comes around and every other word is blank this, blank this. And I said, don't say that. I live for God. Amen. Your life will set a standard of righteousness, holiness, or your life will set a, set a standard of rebellion and stubbornness. And rebellion and stubbornness, these people see that. You're just like me. Amen. I cheat on my taxes. I don't work when the boss isn't here. Oh, we better not get into that. But we may have to. Because if we don't work on our character, then the blessings of God are going to be very limited in our life. But if we will work on our character and that which God says to do, then I'm telling you the blessings of God are going to be unlimited. And that is my prayer for every person in this church is that they experience the full potential of God's blessing in their life, in their health, in their finances, in their family, that all they put their hand to prospers in Jesus' name. Because that's the will of God for you, and that's what God wants for your life. Amen? Praise God. Lift your hands and thank the Lord. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name. Thank you so much for your word tonight. We don't take it lightly. We have ears to hear. Let the word of God be planted deep in our spirit, man. Lord, we thank you. Now, Lord, as we have a busy week coming up, Father, I thank you. The church is blessed. We're blessed in our travels. We declare Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, fathers. We travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. Thank you that we're protected. The righteous labor of our hands, Lord, in our, in our crusade, as Brother Danny comes, Lord, as, as, as we're gone from the church, thank you that you keep everything safe and protected and blessed here at Island Church. Thank you, Father. Uh, no, no evil plans of wicked men or, or the devil himself. Nothing. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thanking you for it, Father. Lord, let that, let that fire of evangelism burn on the inside of our hearts. Thank you for the open door of utterance. Let us speak boldly your word. Thank you, Father, that you stretch forth your hand to heal. Let signs and wonders give us some major miracles here at Island Church. We believe you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Father, we walk in faith and love toward you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.